0: Uh, I'm excited to be here this morning and excited to be able to do this. A couple of weeks ago, um, me and Brother Howard was sitting in my office. He had, had, we had both just got to the office, and he'd come in there and sat down, and, and, and I'd already got the email. And so I saw the look in his eye. I knew what was coming. And he said, did you get that email? I said, no, no, what email? That, that email about Oklahoma. I said, oh, that email. He said, what do you think? I said, I don't know what do you think. And he said, well, I think we need to go. And I said, well, you need me to um, speak that Sunday so you can go? Yeah. I said, well, you got to take me to Duke's for lunch today then. <laughs> it's going to cost you, right? You barter, right? So I got Duke's, and he got to go to Oklahoma, and I get to um, speak this morning. So it was a win-win. Um, you know, this morning, this, this today is actually a journey that I've been on the last couple of weeks so if you don't like today, blame it on Jay Sims. He's our men's ministry coordinator. Um, in our last men's meeting, he showed a video when we talked, and 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 it, just him being obedient to where he thought the direction of men's ministry need to go. And and God just kind of put me on a journey. And and we're going to be talking about that today. And you know, and and what we're going to be talking about is our influence. What kind of influence do we have? You know, and and where is our influence at? And what do people think? And you know, um three years ago, three and a half years ago, whenever I got my retrievers, I'd never owned a dog like that. I'd always owned beagles or coon hounds or, or squirrel dogs. And so the retrievers was a whole new world. And I tell people all the time, I never shot a legal duck up into two years ago. You know, we'd shoot them when we was rabbit hunting and stuff, but never had a duck license or anything like that. And so, um, so I started duck hunting. And so, You know, um, the last um, several weeks, I've got to be really good friends with Duke Landry that owns Dukes, and part of it's because I eat there all the time, part of it's because we got dogs that I like, and we train together, and so he's been bringing me to his club, and so I've been able to get over there, and so my influence, you know, whenever I started thinking, you know, several weeks back, even right before Jay's, um, that men's meeting that night, was that we needed to be intentional with our lifestyles, and we need to, to have the influence outside, because it's not about these walls. You know, our, our influence shouldn't be about what happens in here. Our influence should be about what happens out there. And so, you know, and so you need to take advantage of every opportunity that you have. And so God's given me a, a blessing. I, I've had the opportunity to make some some good duck hunts, and, and it's just a lot of fun, because I like to be able to talk. I'm not one to sit, if I have to sit in a deer stand by myself, with nothing to do, I'm going to pluck my eyes out. It's not going to happen because I like to talk. I like to have interaction with people. You know, and so in a duck blind, it's almost like rabbit hunting or squirrel hunting with a dog. You can talk. You know, you have to whisper and stuff, but you can have talking. And, and so, but but what I've learned real quick is is my influence whenever I get in that stand, I have to outshoot whoever's in there, right? I mean, you don't want to be known as the one that misses all the time, that every time you shoot, the dog just kind of looks at you like, What'd you just do? You know, and so right off the bat, every time I've learned when I get in a stand with a new group because it's always different people in there with us, I'm gonna outshoot them. I, I'm going to, and so I practice outshooting them. You know, and so so anyway, so and then the conversation goes well. Over the last several weeks, I've had the opportunity to meet some really good guys, and um and, and you don't know your influence. And I know it was a joke, but but I kind of had to sit there and kind of hmm. Um, Whenever, you know, you get there early, and the, the man that we're hunting with is an older gentleman. He's retired, and he'll get there early, and he'll fix his biscuits. And I'm really not sure if he fixes them or his wife fixes them, but they're good old homemade biscuits, you know, big, good, homemade biscuits, not Miss B's and not Pillsbury frozen homemade biscuits. So we'll eat a biscuit, you know, and then we'll go to the duck blind, and we'll hang out in the duck blind for several hours and laugh and cut up, and then we come back and we eat together. Well, what I've been impressed with since I've been there is um, this man always blesses the food before we eat. It's not just because, because when he first went, he didn't know I was a minister. And so, but he he's Catholic all the way through. And, and he's a great guy. He's a really great guy. Well, uh, somebody was with us this past week, and they said, boy, that Baptist minister's no more off on you. And he said, what do you mean? He said, you're starting to pray like a Baptist now. And so I kind of grinned, you know, I said, hey, that's good, Right. And so, so the influence, you know, the influence of being around these different guys is there, but you know, last night I kind of got a different perspective on it. Last night I, I stood right here again, and I had to do a, a, a memorial service for a, a young girl that um, works with my oldest daughter, and her dad had passed away, and she just she said, I, "I don't have nobody. Will you do this for me?" I said, "Absolutely. I'll, I will cancel everything I got to do a funeral," and that's the way I look at it because. Funerals are important. You don't control when people die. You know, you can control a wedding, a date. You can control a lot of things, but, you know, funerals you can't control. You know, and as I got up here yesterday morning, she'd asked me if I'd put a slideshow together for her, and she'd give me a a flash drive with a bunch of pictures on it and stuff. You know, and as I sat there, because it's just how the mind of Johnny Morgan works, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, what would an eight-minute video picture presentation of my life tell people? You know, because I had eight minutes of that gentleman's life on a, on, on a I put pictures, over 200 pictures, I believe it was. And what would my life story tell? You know, what would my influence through that eight minutes be? Because that influence word has been a big deal to me here lately. What would my influence through that eight minutes be? I hope it's not right here. Because I know y'all all Snapchatting me right now, right? And Instagramming. But I hope it's not here. I hope it's sitting in a duck blind, or I hope it's on a rabbit hunt, or I hope it's at Denham Denham Springs High over here, or Live Oak High, you know, hanging out with football teams and with students. You know, what would my eight minutes be whenever people look at me whenever I'm gone? You know, what is our influence? And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to, to Timothy 2 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4, and then we're going to be in Nehemiah 1 in a few minutes. 2 Timothy 4 is where we're going to start. And I'm going to tell on Donnie, I give Donnie a test this morning. He said, what are you speaking on? I said, Demas, you ever heard of him? And he said, Nicodemus? I said, no, Demas. How many of, y'all's ever heard of y'all ever heard of Demas? Y'all ever heard of Demas? Just Brother Richard. And I think he's just trying to keep warm right now, so he's nodding. <laughs> but... Um, But there's a guy in 2 Timothy. His name is Demas. He only shows up in Scripture three times that I could find, two times where he's actually working with Paul and then right here. So that's where we're going to start. We're going to start in 2 Timothy 4, and we'll start in verse 9. It says, Do your best to come to me quickly. And this is Paul writing to Timothy. So let's set that stage. Paul's writing to Timothy. He said, do your best to come to me quickly for for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia. Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because because he is helpful in my ministry. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you this morning, Lord. Just say that we love you. Father, and I just ask that you show us your heart this morning. Show us what you want. For us as individuals, and Father, how you want us to live with influence in 2017. Father, we love you. In your son's name I pray, amen. You know, right there, whenever you start reading that, you know, if you go back, you know, in verse 10, in verse 10, it says, for Demas, because he loved the world, he has deserted me. If you go to the, to the message translation, it says, get here as fast as you can. Demas chasing fads went off to Thessalonica and left me. You know, it gives you a little different. You know, he just you know, he just took off and he left him. And so when you start looking, you know, Paul's calling out. Paul realizes, Paul was a man's man. You know, Paul what was this one person before when he was Saul, where he had a lot of a lot of influence in that world as far as. Um, killing christians and stuff and then when he accepted christ it was a radical turnaround and paul has written probably half the new testament and so paul's a man's man and all of a sudden paul's saying i need help i need help he says look i had this guy named demas here with me and now he's done took off and left and he's chasing the world now timothy get here bring mark bring help you know and, and right there, you know, Paul's setting the stage to where he's saying, I can't do this by myself. You know, too many times we try to be long rangers in our faith. Too many times we try to be long rangers in doing things. But Paul's telling us here, you know, Paul's saying, I need help. And if you really go back and study what's really going on right there, Paul's actually imprisoned again. And so he's needing, you know, Paul did more probably from from the realm of prison, empowering and sending people out than most people ever done out of prison. And so Paul's in prison, and he's saying, Timothy, you need to get here. Luke's here with me. Luke needs help. And I need y'all to go out, and I need y'all to start working, you know. And even if you read a little bit further, he's telling him, he says, look, go grab my cloak from this man's house, because whenever the guards come got me and arrested me, They took me so quick, I made sure that this stuff was safe. You know, Paul gave up everything he had to chase after God and to do what God called him to do. And that's what, you know, our call is not much different than that. You know, when you read scripture, it didn't say this was for Paul or this was for Timothy. It's for all of us. You know, when you start looking at living with an influence, you know, when you start looking, well, well, what do you mean by influence? What do people know about you when you walk up? You know, whenever you walk into a crowd of people, do people see God in you or do they see the world in you? When you walk into that crowd, do they see God or do they see a Demas? Do they see somebody that, that once chased after God, but then all of a sudden abandoned God and took off chasing after the world? You know, and then let's just get real honest. Why do we have people? I can go through and name people right now that won't come to church because of that. They won't come to church because they didn't say, well, so-and-so go, went to church in and, and this word, and I just it, it makes me cringe every time. Hypocrite. Church is full of hypocrites. No, church is full of a bunch of broken people that need Jesus. See, but what they do, they justify, and I think that hypocrite's a justifiable word. They'll say, well, the church is full of hypocrites, son. They're no different than me, so I'm not going. But what they see, they see the demises of this world. They see the ones that, that'll show up in church on Sunday morning, but then they live like the world the other six days of the week. You know, and that's what Paul's saying. He says, I need workers. I need people that are true to their faith. I need people that's going to show up and they're going to get the job done. But what happens? What happens? We say, oh, that's the staff's job. That's the deacon's job. It's the Sunday school teacher's job. It's not my job. Sure, it is. Sure, it is. If we want to raise the bar in 2017, what do we have to do? If we want to raise the bar in 2017, we can't be a demons. We have to show up and we have to be all in. You know, we have to be all in. You know, and I'm going to keep going back because this is where I'm at in my life, and I'm loving it right now. Whenever I sit in that duck blind, I'm all in. Whenever those ducks come in, I'm all in. Bullets are cheap. Shotgun shells, really like duck hunting shells, are really not cheap. So that's a false statement. But when it's all said and done, I'm going to pull the trigger. And I won't hurt your feelings, but I am. I'm going to pull the trigger. And I'm going brag on myself, the last two hunts, I'm four for four. I killed four, I shot four times. That's pretty impressive when you're shooting birds, isn't it, Mark? And so, you know, so we can go back, and I said, we pick up shells. We always pick up shells afterwards. And a man I hunt with, he has this thing he likes to do with the new people in the blind. It's called Shell the Road. And you pick up the shells, and he takes a picture of you throwing the shells up into his driveway, and he leaves them in the driveway. And so we're picking up the shells, and, and, you know, whenever I shoot good, I like to brag. I ain't going to lie. I get a little prideful. You know, and I, I said, oh, Duke, look at this. Two green shells, because everybody's shells are different. Two green. Boy, that's a lot of yellow shells in there, Duke. How many ducks did you kill? Not as many yellow shells as in this bag, you know? Because I'm not going to be a Demas. I'm all in. So whenever you start looking at life and you start looking at our walk with God, are we all in? Because that's what Paul's telling us, you know. And, and the urgency, he says, he says, do your best to come quickly. Not just, hey, if you get a chance, show up over here. I could really use some help, but just whenever you... Get no, come quickly. Come quickly. Bring help. Come quickly. Bring help. And so whenever, um you know... When you read further down, and I was mentioning, you know, Paul, whenever he shows that he abandoned everything, you know, whenever, well, one, he was arrested. But he made sure things was taken care of even in that moment. Was, bring my cloak. Bring my parchments. That's what the Bible was back then. It was just sheets of paper called parchments. And he said, bring my parchments so that we'll have them. He was all in. Turn to Nehemiah with me. Nehemiah 1. Nehemiah 1. And we'll start in verse 1. Nehemiah 1, verse 1. And I just think that, that God has a sense of humor with some of these names because people like me struggle whenever I read these. The words of Nehemiah's son, Hekaliah. we just kind of let it roll off our mouth. In the month of Kislev, I'm glad we don't have that month no more. In the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hassani, one of my sons, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. (coughs) And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept for some days, and I mourned, and I fasted, and I prayed before the God of heaven. You know, Nehemiah, when you get right there, you know, Nehemiah's sitting there doing his job, you know, and and all of a sudden, you know, um, one of his brothers shows up, and when he starts asking him, he starts telling him what's really going on. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Nehemiah gets passionate. He gets passionate about it Because all of a sudden it's up close. My brother brought this information to me. You know, and so at once, you know, when he realized how bad it was, you know, he started, you know, it says he mourned, he fasted, he prayed, you know, he was broke because of what was going on in Jerusalem. You know, whenever you read that, you know, let's get honest. Are we broke for what's going on around us? Are we broke for what's going on around us? Let me read some dates. to you. I'm going to give you a test this morning. We're going to see how many of y'all can pass this test. November 22nd, 1963. Who remembers what happened on that day? November 22nd, 1963. Say it louder. Why do you remember that? It was a big deal, right? And you remember to this day where you just told us where you were sitting and what you was doing. How many, And see, that was before my time. But how many of y'all remember where y'all was at on that day now that you know what it was? What was you doing, Bobby Dale? See? Knew where you was at. Another date. January 28, 1996. What happened on that day? I can tell you where I was at. And I think that's the only time I've ever been in this person's house. I was at a lady named Carol Bagley, one of my mom's friends' house, and was watching it on TV. I just walked in. She said, hey, watch this on TV. 17% they say of the United States watched this on TV the day that it happened. The Space shuttles Challenger blew up. You remember now? Huh? 86, 86, you're right. Yeah, 86. Mark, where was you at? Do you remember? Working. Next day, most all of us all remember this one. September 11th, 2001. Where was you at, Mr. Shell? Somebody else, where was you at the day that that happened? You was at work. Somebody else. I was in Winfield, Louisiana. I had just pulled up to a machine shop. I'd rode up there with one of my best friends. We was working, and me and Anthony parked the truck and got out to walk in to ask permission to park there to do a survey, and that's when we realized what had happened. Now we're going to get a change of a couple of more dates. May 14th, 2008. May 14th, 2008. Anybody remember that day? May 14th, 2008 at about 4.30 in the afternoon almost 5 o'clock me and Brother Howard parked our truck at Johnny's Groceries put on our rubber boots because all good ministers keep rubber boots in their truck we put on our rubber boots and walked from Johnny's to here because the whole roof at the back of this sanctuary had blown off to a tornado and when we opened that back door I had four inches of water flow over my feet from out of the building I remember where I was at where was you at Richard you remember May 14th you was working but real quick we had a bunch of people at Home Depot we had a bunch of people show up here and we covered this roof in a matter of 4 or 5 hours to try to protect it from the rest June 12th 2012 2012 I was on my way to Houston, Texas, was at about the Louisiana, Texas line when I got a phone call that um, my best friend and my cousin had just committed suicide. Remember exactly where I was at. July 17th, 2016, what happened on that day? That's when the police officers in Baton Rouge was slain. August 12th and 13th, 2016. What happened on that day? The flood. That's the only one Tanner's been sure about. He knew that one, didn't he? But you know, when you look at those dates, and why did I do this? Each one of those dates sparked a passion in us. You know, when and when the president was assassinated, America come together because what had happened. You know, On January 28th, 1986, America come together because there was a school teacher on that shuttle. The first time they'd ever sent a civilian and was going to send a civilian into space. You know, September 11th, the whole United States rallied together around after that. You know, May 14th, 2008, our church body rallied around getting this roof covered, expanding our fellowship hall. Our fellowship hall used to be... um, I think 40 by 40, now it's 40 by 60. You know, our, our, we rallied around making those walls move out so that we could have worship in there for two or three months while we rebuilt our sanctuary. You know, June 12, 2012 changed my outlook on suicide as bad as that sounds. It gave me a whole different viewpoint whenever I deal with people in those situations. July 17th, all of a sudden, even though it had been happening around the nation, July 17th, all of a sudden, we started hanging flags with the blue stripes on them in our house and putting crosses on our front porch with blue bulbs in them to let our law enforcement know that, hey, we're here with you. We're here with you. You know, we rallied around August 12th and 13th. Why did we not have more deaths than what we had in this area? Because everybody in Livingston Parish and East Baton Rouge and Ascension rallied around to save each other. You know, we had more boats. We had more trucks mobilized on that day than probably in the history. And why did we not have people die? Because people was there. You know, why did Nehemiah all of a sudden, why did all of a sudden when he heard about that wall, that had already happened, but all of a sudden it was real to him. You know, all of a sudden he's looking and he's thinking, I need to pray for this. I need to fast for this. This needs to break my heart. Well, what I'm telling you this morning is we don't need to be a Demas. We need to be like that every day. This world is falling apart around us. I wish I could go through just this week and name the names of the students and adults that I have sat with and I have prayed with because of things going on in their lives. Things that aren't fair, things that they have no control over, but they're having to deal with. You know, last night I had to look. at a a young girl and and her brother and tell them that God's still God even though they don't understand why their dad's not here no more. Why is that stuff not breaking our hearts every day? You know, if we want to raise the bar in 2017, if we really want to raise the bar as Live Oak Baptist Church, then we need to take on Nehemiah's heart. And we need to let our heart be broke. We need to pray every day. We need to fast for the things that that are important to us, the things of God. You know, the song that we sang earlier, you know, I think it fits so well today about giving us the same eyes as God. That's what we need. We need God's eyes. We need God's heart. We don't need to be a Demas. We don't need to just stay in while it's fun. And then all of a sudden when it gets hard, check out. That's what the world needs to see in us. They need to see Nehemiah. They need to see a heart that's broke. They need to see a heart that cares. They need to see a group of people collectively. You know, like when Paul put his all call out to him and says, get here quickly. That's my cry this morning. Get here quickly. This world needs you. This world right around us, we could draw a radius around this church and make it whatever we want, five miles, ten miles. If we made it a half a mile, it's more than we could handle a lot of weeks. But if we get all in, if we get passionate about it, if we say, God, I want your heart. God, break my heart to see like you see. God, I'm all in. Then we're gonna raise the bar. You know, in just over a month, you know, in five or six weeks, this is the last Sunday you'll see the stage like this. It's going to start morphing into a a stage. We're going to have stairs coming down by tonight or tomorrow morning, you know. And then everything's going to start changing. Why? Because we're going to do this production in five or six weeks called the after. I need you to come here quickly. We need help. You know, last Sunday morning, if you wasn't here in the 1030 service at the very beginning, I had the privilege of baptizing three young girls that lives was affected last year, during the after. Last year, during the after, they come to know the Lord. And I think it was just God's beautiful time, and we got to do this last Sunday, so it's fresh in our mind. Hey, this is important. This is important because there's a world out there that needs to hear about this God that I'm talking about this morning. There's a world out there that needs to see that God in each one of your lives through the influence that you have. You know, and you sit there and you're thinking, well, I I don't know, but think about your cluster around the coffee pot at your job. What kind of influence could you have if you exhibited God? Man, I'm not saying wear a T-shirt, and I'm not saying walk in and throw your Bible in the middle of the circle. But it's how you act and how you react, and it's, it's the little things in life. You know what I've learned whenever, and, and I'm going to keep going back to this, sitting in that duck blind the last four or five times over the last few weeks, I get phone calls after the fact. Man, you deceived me. You didn't tell me you was a minister. But they saw in how I acted and how I reacted and how I had fun with them and how I broke bread with them afterwards. They saw something different. I didn't have no t-shirt on and says, I'm a minister. That's why I outshoot you. God loves me more. That'd be a cool t-shirt, wouldn't it? But I, I don't wear a t-shirt like that. But I pray, literally, I, I pray before I go on those hunts and say, God, use me in that duck blind this morning. Is it relaxing? Absolutely. Do I enjoy being there in God's creation? Go to my Facebook and look at some of the pictures I'm putting on the sunrises here lately out there. What's your influence in your circle? That's where it starts. Because if we can start in this circle, the group that we're comfortable with, and we all, you know, if we all started thinking, and you know, the ones I gather around the coffee pot with or the ones that I hang out at storage grocery or at Johnny's or at, at um, Oak Point and Watson, or the ones that, that that I'm in the in the hunting clubs with, or the ones that I, I go to the library with, if you're in a reading club or whatever you're doing, all of us can identify with a circle. Study groups if we're in school, or friendships, and you know when we're in school. If we start right there and start praying for those people in that circle and say, God, use me here, then what's going to happen? It's going to it's going to out. You know, it's almost like when you throw that rock in a pond and you see that ripple go all the way across, all it takes is that rock landing to start that ripple. All it takes is us being obedient for that ripple to happen. All it takes is us saying, all right, God, I want to chase after you. I'm not going to be a Demas. God, I don't want to be a Demas. God, I want to know your heart so that whenever I'm standing there, people have to know you. People have to see something different in you. You never know who you're going to affect. Yesterday, um, a, a dear friend of mine now she was in the youth group. Whenever I was just a youth worker at A.M.I.T., posted something on Facebook, uh, and um, it was just it was beautiful. She was talking about it was a picture of her and her 14-year-old daughter, and the whole story behind that is that she'd give her up for adoption. Because she knew as a 17-year-old that she couldn't do that. And so now she's able to use that testimony to other girls and say, God will get you through your circumstances. Because she had a godly mother and a godly father, and because she had been raised in church, and because she had that foundation, now she has got a testimony like no Tamar. You know, when you start talking about pro-life and pro-choice, let her stand there and tell you her story and see how it'll affect you, you know? And I'm just being honest. Me and Tammy sat there yesterday as we looked at that picture, and as we read that story again, and we walked it with her. I was at the hospital the day she gave birth to that baby and was standing there whenever the adoptive parents looked at that baby for the first time. I was standing there with them. I walked it with them. And yesterday, 14 years later, I still sat there and cried like a baby because of the obedience that I saw through that family. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's about being obedient. It's about chasing after God. It's about seeing His heart, you know. But we have to stay on point with God. We have to stay in this Bible. You have to stay in this. If you don't want to be a demon, you need to stay in this Word. You need to read it every day. You need to dive in. You need to be plugged in. You need to be surrounded by people that will hold you accountable. You need to be surrounded by people that's going to be there with you. Because it's not always easy. It's not always easy. And I'm just I'm being transparent. This morning after this week, I had to call one of my best friends that's a counselor. And I said, Jared, I need you to help me. Jared, I'm to right here right now. I need you to pour into me for the next 15 minutes while we're riding down the road. We all need those people that will be there with us, that will walk with us, that will be there to tell us. But then we have to be willing to step out and do it. We have to be willing to take that step. You know, why am I asking you to come here quickly? There's lots of things that need to be done. I'm just being honest. My prayer is this year that God shows up in a big way and we can't house people for the after. We had a group of ladies come up a week and a half ago and sent out almost 500 big flyers to churches that they're going to have to notice. They're 6 by 11. They're bright orange. And we sent out almost 500 of those all over the state of Louisiana because I'm getting outside the box of Livingston Parish. There's people in East Baton Rouge that need Jesus too. There's people over at Lafayette that need Jesus too. I'll drive two hours to go duck hunt. Why won't I drive two hours to go see Jesus? And so, but we need to be willing to get out of our box. We need to be like Nehemiah. We need to say, you know, God, this breaks my heart. God, I need you. But we don't need to shut down on it. We need to keep plowing ahead. Father, we come to you this morning. Father, just to say that we love you. Father, even right now, Father, I just ask that you just show us your heart. Father, we can be obedient to your heart. Father, as we look at 2017, it's just a year. Father, but if we look at this, Father, we're 29 days in to 2017. What has our influence been for the first 29 days? Father, I ask that you use the next 11 months for your glory. Not my glory, not our church's glory, but your glory. Father, but if we get real honest, there's some of us. Father, we're teeter tottering like a Demas. Father, we know what we're supposed to know. Father, but we're on the verge of running. Father, I ask that, Father, we just make that decision to fall back into your arms. Father, there's some of us in here this morning that, Father, we might not have ever asked you to become the Lord of our life. Father, we might not have asked you to become our Savior. Father, and if that's somebody in here this why I ask you, just give them the courage and the strength to step out and start that journey. Father, some of us sitting in here and we're thinking I got demons stamped all over me right now and I need to come back Father that's what's so beautiful about your love you're standing there with your arms outstretched ready to embrace us when we make that turn to come back but Father however you're calling this morning Father I just ask that we just be obedient to you Father, and we respond how you want us to. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. I'm asking if you'll just stand with me in the next few moments and just be obedient to what God's calling.